Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of Blatant Homers and Podcast, part of Crimson and Cream Machine on the SB Nation Network of Podcasts. Today is Wednesday, August 21st, 2019, and our guest today is going to be Jason Kersey of The Athletic to talk a little bit about a new feature story that he has out at The Athletic about uh, Alex Grinch and his background, his family, and some of the adversity that they've faced, as well as talking about uh, some of the latest developments from preseason practices uh, for the Sooners. Um, before we bring Jason on, let me just remind you real quick to uh, go ahead, rate, subscribe, review. Uh, doing that makes it a lot easier for people to find us here and uh, catch up on all the good stuff that we're doing uh, over at Crimson and Cream Machine and here on the Blade Homers and Podcast. Um, but without further ado, let's go ahead. Welcome on Jason Kersey. Jason, how you doing? Good, Alan. How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing very well, thanks. So... You know, I wanted to have you on today because uh, you wrote a, a really great story yesterday uh, about Alex Grinch, his family, some of the kind of, uh, you know, uh, kind of a laundry list just of kind of uh, adversity and medical issues and things like that going on there. Um, you know, what what kind of prompted you to uh, to look into or delve into that story? Well, um, back in February, I went to Ohio to do some research on his background and talk to some of his old coaches and kind of figure out where he came from. And, you know, his folks live in Columbia, Missouri now, but um, while I was up there, you know, a few people mentioned it, mentioned his, his uh, mother, um, you know, being, uh, being in a wheelchair and, and uh, having been in that, in a wheelchair his entire life. And so um, I sort of made a note of that. I mean, that wasn't really the point of the, stories that I did while I was up there I did one about his you know his growing up in Grove City Ohio and I did one about his time at Mount Union uh, but I kind of filed it away and then uh, I talked to Gary Pinkle who is his uncle and Gary mentioned it to me at the end of our interview he just sort of threw in a line or something about it and so I asked him a little bit more about it and he told me more and then I went and bought his book and realized he'd written a lot about it in his book and and uh, yeah, and, and then I thought it would be a good story. So eventually I took it to Alex and asked him, you know, if he'd want to talk about it and if he'd be okay with me visiting. And then I called his dad and um, his dad uh, talked to his mom and they were cool with me coming up there. So yeah, it, I mean, it just sort of like, you know, you go, that happens a lot. You go somewhere or you work on one story and it leads to, to another better one. Right. Yeah. So I guess, first of all, though, we should kind of back up maybe for people who, who haven't uh, read the story yet or who are, you know, trying to uh, jog their memory. So can you explain uh, what exactly what, what condition it is that uh, Alex Grinch's mother has? 
Yeah, it's it's called um, hereditary spastic paraplegia. Paraple- I, I may be mispronouncing that last word, um, but it's a it's a very rare uh, genetic disease that uh, affects you know it just slowly progressively um, takes away your ability to use your legs. And so, when she was uh, a, a young teenager, um, maybe even a little bit before that, twelve or thirteen years old. Um, she started having problems with her legs. It progressively got worse um, until when she was a freshman in college, she needed a cane. And then shortly after that, she needed a wheelchair. And Alex Grinch and his older brother, Drew, have never known their mother um, without uh, – not in a wheelchair. I mean uh, when mm-hmm. they were really young, when they were really young, occasionally she could stand up um, for various things, but – uh, that didn't even last very long. So um, she's been in a wheelchair for as long as they've been alive. And gosh, you start to think about what it must have been like for her, kind of you know chasing young kids around and, and whatnot, you know, in a, in a wheelchair for her entire life. I mean, that or their entire lives, I guess. I mean, that uh, gosh. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was you know they they would ride on her lap, or you know, she said when they'd go to the mall with the two boys. The rule was they had to be on either side of her holding onto the wheelchair. Like that was, uh, you know, it was the, they, and, and it sort of starts, you start to, when you real, when you think about what life must have been like for that family from, you know, you know, you really have to plan out vacations and trips mm-hmm. to the grocery store. And, you know, when it's time to go to bed, you got to go to bed. When it's time to get up, you have to get up. I mean, there's very much rigidity there. And, and I think that's, you know, that's uh, to some degree where Alex Grinch got some of that from. And he's, you know, we hear him talk all the time about doing things with purpose and, and those sorts of things. And, um, you know, you, you, you really understand that when you, when you realize the house he was raised in. And what kind of role does, uh, Alex Grinch's father play in all of this? I mean, you know, what were your impressions of him? He's a great guy. He uh, he was a Marine. Uh, they met at Wright State University, which is also was kind of an interesting little subplot of the story. I had no idea about this, but you know they met at Wright State in Dayton, Ohio, and um, you know the reason that or one of the reasons that she went to school there was because it was a brand new school, and they had it was kind of small, and they had ton underground tunnels connecting all the buildings. Um, which made it really easy for her to, to get to class. Uh, and that's why, you know, to this day, Wright State is consistently ranked like a top one, two, three school in the country for people with disabilities. So, um, so that was kind of another interesting thing. But, but no, his, his father, um, you know, they met, uh, they actually met because uh, Kathy, Alex's mom, um, they, they were, they talked and they had started talking and, uh, she found out he was a football fan, and she needed a ride to Kent State where Gary Pinkle was playing in his spring game. So she asked him to drive her mm. up there, and that was kind of you know very early in their relationship. So, uh, so no, he's a great guy. I mean, he he takes care of her still. Uh, but you know the, that's but the the kind of the point or the theme or one sort of running theme of the story is that she didn't want to have people take care of her. She wants to uh she wanted to do things herself she had a career she uh cooked dinner she uh did laundry i mean she you know she did not allow the disability to affect her life or define her life and that's actually kind of how i lead the story is 
you know, I'm sitting up there. She knows why I'm there, and we're talking. And it, it, I mean, she was very nice. I, I don't want to give off the impression that she wasn't, but I just got my impression was she really didn't see what the big deal was. Like, why was I there to interview her about this? This is just the way it is, and uh, you know, who cares? This is my life, and this is what we deal with. Uh, right, right. So there are also those some kind of medical issues on uh, the side of uh, the family of Alex Grinch's wife, right? Yeah, I mean that's that. Yeah, that's the other the other thing is that it's very interesting because uh, Alex Grinch met his wife Becky at uh, at Mount Union. She was a soccer player, and uh, uh, her two brothers both have muscular dystrophy and so she grew up in alliance ohio which is where mount union is and um uh yeah i mean they they sort of discovered pretty quickly in their relationship that uh they had this in common that they both had um you know grown up in a household like you know with mm-hmm. with someone or or two people uh having disability and um you know alex's mother-in-law um her husband died a few years ago so now she uh, pretty much takes care of her two sons that are in their 40s one lives with his wife the other lives at home with her but she's very involved in taking care of both of them um uh every day and so it, you know uh you you know it's really interesting how how life works like that they found each other but the that alex and becky found each other but the um you know the the true bottom line is alex Grinch just he's seen the toughness and the um uh you know relentless way that his mom and his two brothers-in-law live their lives and don't complain about anything and so that's why you know you just he just does not tolerate excuses right so you know thinking about this though i mean i remember Back when uh, Alex Grinch decided to leave Washington State and he got hired on at Ohio State, uh, you know, I mean, obviously that's a big move that, you know, is seen as a, a jump up in the coaching ranks. But, you know, when when I remember when it first kind of started getting bandied about that maybe Grinch might be a candidate for the OU defensive coordinator job, I, I know that a lot of people were saying, well, he's got – uh, you know, kind of uh, family concerns that are, you know, kind of that, that kind of took him back to Ohio. Uh, you know, and, and nobody really ever elaborated on that. And now I think we have kind of a better picture of that. But, yeah. you know, how hard was that, do you feel like, for him to make the move from Ohio State to Oklahoma, assuming that he, you know, had an option to stay at Ohio State? Um, you know, in terms of just kind of, uh, you know, he had gone there for a reason, you know? Yeah, I mean, and that's that's something that yeah, you're, I I don't think that he ever talked much about that, but yeah, he told me that you know he when he left Washington State, I mean, he had other opportunities and other opportunities that would have paid more and other opportunities where he would have been a play caller. Now, I think there's some. I mean, we we he didn't go into this, but if you'll remember, that was a very complicated time because Greg Schiano. Right, he was uh, going to be yeah. You know, he was going to be the Tennessee coach and all mm-hmm. that, all that stuff. But, um, but still, it was a job where he wasn't guaranteed to be the play caller, and he didn't end up being the play caller, and he wasn't as much money as he could have made elsewhere. Um, but a big reason why they took that job, yeah, was to get Becky back closer to home. But I mean, you know, coaching the coaching world is what it is, and and I, I think that the Oklahoma opportunity, the opportunity to be a play caller again, um, I'm sure the money played a role in that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they decided to, um, 
to make the move. But, I mean, getting there even for a year, I think, was a big deal for them. Yeah, clearly, clearly. Well, you know, moving on to um, stuff that's happening on the field, uh, no big surprise, Jalen Hurts was named the uh, starting quarterback. Anything strike you about uh, Lincoln Riley's comments on the decision? You know, it was so brief yesterday. Lincoln uh, came in, and he only had like five minutes. He had to um, – he had a – an event he had to get to or or something so it was a very brief uh so no i mean my uh my friend and fellow beat writer eric bailey at the tulsa world uh did a did some digging into like the comments that lincoln riley made when he named baker mayfield the starter when he made kyler murray the starter it's pretty funny how consistent it always is he said uh you know it was very close it was Mm -hmm. a hard decision it was you know it's just very funny how the comments are always pretty much the same, but he did say one thing. He said this was the closest one he's had yet, and uh, you know, I just, I mean, I maybe maybe that's true. I you know I don't want to call anyone a liar, but um, you know, I th- I think we all knew that Jalen Hurts is going to be the starter most you know pretty much this entire time, um, but. You know, I, I'm also sort of interested in, you know, Tanner Mordecai will be the backup. I think there was a lot of uh, talk out of camp, a lot of um, rumors that, that Rattler had really uh, been impressive. And I'm not saying that he wasn't, but, I mean, it seemed pretty clear to me the entire time that it was, Mordecai was going to be the backup. Now, I don't know what that's going to mean moving forward, and I don't know what that's going to mean if Jalen Hurts um, is injured. And they have to make a decision about the rest of the season, someone taking over for more than just, you know, a couple of plays or a couple of plays in a blowout. Maybe, maybe that would be Rattler. Uh, but, um, but yeah, Mordecai will be the backup. You know, you know, I, I always figured uh, that it would play out that way as well. And by the way, I'm, I'm almost positive. He said something last year to the effect of the race between Austin Kittle and Kyler Murray had been the closest one he'd ever been involved in or something like that. Yeah. So. I, you need to go read Eric or I think Eric wrote about mm-hmm. that. I know I was sitting, I was sitting with him when he was looking all that up, but I think he wrote about that and that, and it's funny. I don't know if he said close. He may have, I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't do that research, but it's, it is funny. I mean, he said the same thing about, you know, he's, about how hard it was to choose between Baker Mayfield, Trevor Knight, and Cody Thomas. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, Cody Thomas, who they didn't trust to throw more than 10 passes there at the end of that 2014 <laughs> yeah. season. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, you know, I think the thing about it to keep in mind, too, is that, you know, Rattler, it, this would have been maybe a different situation if, if Rattler had come in in the spring, you know, but right. not having that, uh, you know, who's, who's to say they even would have pursued uh, Hurts if Rattler had been coming in the spring. But, um, you know, looking at it, I still think that Rattler, if things really go sideways or something, could end up seeing some time later in the year. But, um, you know, other, you know, kind of takeaways, I know that, uh, Alex Grinch spoke yesterday, I believe, about uh, you know, kind of how the state of the defense, and it sounded like he handed out more praise yesterday than he normally does, just based on the the kind of the tenor of the comments that I read. Yeah, he was he was a little bit nicer. I mean, he still was pretty critical in a lot of ways. He still thinks there's not enough competition at, at various position battles, but um, but generally speaking, yeah, he was. Um, I mean, he he was a little bit more positive about things. Uh, 
he named he named a lot of individuals yesterday, which he hasn't really done before. I mean, he sort of on unprompted named a lot of individuals that he felt like were taking steps. You know, Ryan Jones and uh, Marcus Stripling got a lot of praise yesterday. Um, uh, and, and you know, he, he's talked a lot about Patrick Fields and Delarin Turner Yell, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was it was probably a little bit more positive yesterday. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. So, you know, the whole uh, kind of uh, gruff kind of, uh, you know, nothing's ever good enough type uh, vibe he gives off. I mean, that kind of goes back to, uh, I got to imagine, you know, kind of the way he was brought up just based on your on your story you you wrote, right? Uh, yeah, probably to a degree. I mean, I, I definitely think that the um... – the intolerance for excuses and complaining certainly comes from mm-hmm. that. And that's something he talks about a lot. Um, you know, uh, and, and so, yeah, learning a lot more about that, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that he just has, um, <laughs> yeah, he just doesn't have any tolerance for BS. Like he, he just doesn't, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and that's what and that's what makes him a good coach. But it's also what makes him a great interview because um, what I what I love about interviewing him is that if you ask him a question, he answers it. Like I about anything, he'll just he answers it. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about you know he'll he'll go into detail about about various things. I mean last last week I I tweeted about this I think, but like he he was asked a question kind of a technical question about how you improve, you know, we know you work on stripping and stuff for fumbles, but how do you um, get better at interception specifically? And he gave a really long detailed answer about it that, I mean, it just is very refreshing. And, uh, you know, I don't know how much fans care about that stuff. Generally, I know that, you know, at the end of the day, what fans want is for the team to win. And I understand that, but yeah, I, I, really hope people appreciate that when Alex Grinch answers our questions, he's answering your questions too. And that's, and that's the thing that, uh, you know, I think that I, I, I again, I, I know people don't care about our jobs or what we go through. That's fine. And I don't expect them to, but I, I do hope that people can appreciate having a defensive coordinator like that. You know, Mike Stoops could be pretty good at times about that, but he wasn't like this. Right. I think the, yeah, I remember the, uh, the response was about eye discipline and things like that. And it, you're right. It was very technical. Uh, but it was also, you know, it's easy to get kind of lost in translation to, to, you know, just us lay people. But at the same time, it was interesting to hear him go, uh, in depth on something like that. But, you know, back to, uh, some of the personnel issues, any idea how things are progressing with Jalen Redmond? Well, I mean, he they you know they went real slow with him in the spring and the summer. Uh, it was kind of interesting because Lincoln had told us at OU's local media day, which was the day before camp started, that 
that Jalen um, was fully cleared and ready to go. But then the first maybe day that they were in pads, we went out there and he wasn't in pads. But he has been since then. I just think they're they're still trying to be careful, which makes sense. I mean, we're mm-hmm. not talking about yeah. a knee injury or something here. We're talking about really serious, uh, a really serious, scary medical issue. So, um, but sounds like he's been going pretty much full steam for the last couple weeks, and. Um, you know, they, they seem excited about him. I mean, obviously, I think you can probably tell that he hadn't played in a while, but there's just so much raw talent there that, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how long it's going to take, but, I mean, I, I really feel like he's probably going to be a pretty big part of the defense by the end of the year. Right, and it sounds like he might have kind of moved pos- positions or they might kind of be carving out kind of a different type of role. Do you have any insight on that? Yeah, you know, I wondered about that too because I had always sort of had him penciled in as the uh, the jack, as the mm-hmm. you know, oboe or the striker sort of position. But um, you know, the last time we were at practice, that you know, we got our 15 minutes of stretching. He was with um, he was with Calvin Thibodeau uh, and his group. So he, he so yeah, they're they're sort of I, I I'm not exactly sure what, what he's going to be doing and. Um, they don't go into a ton of detail about that, but it does seem like he's working with Calvin Thibodeau's group, um, which make, which is interesting. I, it makes me sort of wonder where exactly he fits in when it comes to Perkins and, uh, you know, Laurent Stokes and Kenneth uh-huh. Mann and all, and, and all of those guys. Right. You know, I mean, it could be that they're looking at more of a traditional uh, four down kind of front, you know, with maybe him playing more kind of like a five or a seven technique uh, pass rusher there. But uh, which which would kind of be a departure from what we from what Alex Grinch has done in the past. But, you know, maybe that makes sense in this case. Yeah, you know, I, you kind of have to work with what you got, right? So, um, yeah. Speaking of which, you know, he doesn't really have a player that fits the mold of pass guys at the uh, nickel position, but it sounds like there's a pretty good battle going on there between uh, Brendan Radley Hiles and Chance Sylvie, No. Yeah, and Chance Sylvie's really, I think, had a good camp. I mean, because once Trey Norwood went down, I, I, and I think a lot of us assumed that that meant Buki had that job pretty well locked down um, at nickel. But, uh, but yeah, it sounds like Chance Sylvie is really uh, kind of putting up a pretty good fight for that position, um, which is interesting. I mean, this is a guy who was obviously injured last year and um, wasn't nearly the, uh, the hyped up recruit that, that Buki was. Uh, but you know, it's, it, that'll be very interesting. If Chance Sylvie ends up starting there, I mean, I, I you know, Buki is such an interesting character he's an interesting case and you know a guy who came in with so much hype started all those games last year um and you know if he ends up not winning this job even after trey norwood's injury um i mean i you know you never know how how things are going to play out but but you know that would that just wouldn't seem to bode well for his future honestly if he can't win this job without even with Norwood injured. Yeah, I, th- I think that's uh, clear. And, you know, I mean, on top of that, OU's got a uh, defensive coordinator now who seems to clearly like kind of that length in the uh, defensive backfield. And obviously yeah, that's not Buki's exactly. strength. Yeah, so exactly. one last uh, kind of uh, position battle, I guess, on, on the defensive side of the ball is cornerback. Sounds like Jordan Parker has also made a move. 
Yeah, and that's also really interesting because, you know, we, uh, me personally, I had sort of thought Trey Brown and Parnell Motley as the two corners was pretty much a given. I mean, that just made sense. And, um, and then, uh, pardon me. And then, uh, you know, Jordan Parker's this guy who's had such a volatile career and, 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 uh, so up and down position changes and all this, these things. And I guess he's had a fantastic camp. Lincoln Riley, uh, last week, uh, specifically singled him out as maybe a guy he was the most proud of in camp. So, um, it sounds like he could really be pushing Parnell Motley for, for one of those starting jobs, um, which I, I really wouldn't have seen coming, uh, honestly, until until about a week ago. Yeah, I mean, he kind of became an afterthought, but he really played well, uh, you know, as a uh, freshman in 2016. Just he's had the injury issue since then and just been kind of snake bitten. And, uh, you know, seems like he might have been kind of miscast playing safety. So, you know, if he can recapture a little of what he had uh Back in 2016, that could be a big boost for the defense. Um, looking at the other side of the ball real quickly, uh, there's been some shuffling, it sounds like, on the offensive line. Where do you think R.J. R- R- Proctor is going to end up? Do you have any idea? No, and, I'm, and, and honestly, that's kind of, I think, was the point of bringing him in, or part of it was that they could, they, they saw him playing a few different places. Um, so, you know, at the beginning of camp, it sounded like guard, um, you know, uh, as to where exactly he's going to end up, I don't know. I mean, that group is, is so interesting. And, and the other thing about it is, is that it's like, I, I really kind of feel like this is going to be a lot like 2015, where the line that starts the first game is not going to be the line that starts the fifth game. You know, I, mm-hmm. I feel like they're really, uh, Bill Biedenboe is going to, to use these first few games to figure, to, to experiment and figure it out. And, uh, you know, you just hope that by the time they play Texas that they've got it sorted out because that's, that was what killed them in 2015 was, um, you know, by, by Texas they didn't have it figured out and they lost that game in, in large part because of that because they didn't have a very good mm-hmm. offensive line. I think that was a game where Josiah St. John was tipping off Texas to yeah. play – and all that stuff. So, um, so yeah. I mean, it's sort of. It's. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure exactly how that's going to end up playing out. But I, I again, I'm not sure it matters because I think I, I really think that it's going to take a few games of experimenting. Yeah, I mean, you, obviously Creed Humphrey has settled down there at the uh, center spot, and, and another one that's locked down is probably right tackle with Adrian Ely. Marcus yeah. Hayes is going to be somewhere, either right, either right guard or left guard. But then you know you've got a lot of different names. Kind of you know you're hearing at those different at the left tackle and the other guard position. You know guys like guard, you know Tyrese Robinson or Mar- or uh, Bray Walker. You know where's Proctor going to yeah. go? What's up with Eric Swenson? That type of thing. So yeah, yeah, um, you know a ton of names, and they're all, and Finley Felix is getting a yeah. lot of uh, attention right now too so i mean there's a lot of names that uh that are you know sort of being being tossed around and and uh a lot of guys with a lot of talent i mean it's it's i mean there's not a lot of experience but you know these are these are not uh nobodies here i mean these were Mm -hmm. these were big time recruits and um and i think that uh beaten bow if anybody can get it sorted out it would be him yeah i get the feeling this group is actually going to end up being pretty good when all is said and done so we'll see though Mm -hmm. Um, well, you know, season's right around the corner. What do you guys got going on over at the athletic? Well, yeah, we're, um, it's, it's 
been really fun. I mean, uh, you know, obviously the the stuff that uh, that we've already talked about with the Alex Grinch thing. I mean that that has pretty much consumed uh, the, the last couple of weeks of me getting that story wrapped up and and ready. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're doing a lot of fun stuff. I mean, this morning I, I published a story about this Clemson grad transfer that everybody was sort of curious about. I, I d- delved into his, how he ended up at OU and it's actually, I, you know, this isn't a guy who's probably going to play very much, but it's a really interesting story because, uh, it turns out that his dad's best friend is Joe Washington and that's the way. He oh, okay. Norman. So, um, I talked to Joe about him, and uh, they actually owned a NASCAR team together in the nineties nah. um, with with Doctor J, actually. Oh, really? Serving. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of an interesting story, and um, you know, we're we're about to. I can't. Uh, I'll get in trouble if I say too much about it, but we're about to get into the podcast game. Um, mm-hmm. So we're going to have that uh, with the athletic too. We've, we've got some really exciting ideas there. So yeah, we're, I mean, it's uh, I, I, you know, there was an article that just came out yesterday that we've got over 600,000 subscribers now, which is just unbelievable, man. Honestly, when I, when Stuart Mandel called me and said, asked if I wanted to come to work for something called the athletic, I, 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 it felt at the time like a big leap of faith to uh to take that job and to sign on to something like this and man i'm so glad i did yeah well you 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 know jason you're you've been a great asset for him you know you're you're a great storyteller this new uh piece that you've got up on alex grinch has been uh one that you know really really hits home i think and uh so you know i mean i i like i said i think you've been doing a great job with the coverage and everything and you know i i highly recommend you know if you're a sooner fan sign up for the athletic because uh you know jason does just such a wonderful job covering the team and chasing down those kinds of stories i appreciate that thank you very much well of course of course and i appreciate you coming on man always anytime man all right again that's jason kersey of the athletic make sure to uh check uh all the work they're doing out uh check it out over there and uh, thanks, Tim, for joining us. And thanks to you all for joining us, too. For the White and Homers and Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy.